Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. The Eighth Amendment, you might not associate it naturally with homelessness, but it's directly relevant now because of a decision from a court case in the West, the Ninth Circuit. Not sure why I'm struggling with my words, but a very important appellate court decision. Before I read to you a couple of provisions from the Los Angeles Times lead story today, by the way, at the L.A. Times when I read in early this morning, and a lead item at Smirconish.com as well. Let, let me just instead kind of close the notes and and try and give you the two-minute version. The two-minute version would be this. You know we have a significant problem with homelessness in this country, especially in American cities and especially those that are on the West Coast. I've, I've seen it at Skid Row in Los Angeles. I've seen it in the Tenderloin in San Francisco. It's it's um, it's devastating. It's upsetting. The poor people who are there. I don't think that homelessness is really the proper word because I don't think the fact that they're homeless is what defines this. I happen to think that it's driven by mental health and drug addiction, whatever the word would be to describe drug addiction and mental health, which leaves you homeless, would be the proper way to describe it. Anyway, one of the most important appellate courts in the country. I would say, in my view, second behind the D.C. Court of Appeals. A lot of law gets made in the D.C. Court of Appeals, and the D.C. Court of Appeals has often been a farm system for the Supreme Court of the United States. But behind the influence of the D.C. Court of Appeals, I would put the Ninth Circuit. The Ninth Circuit, which encompasses most of the the far west, including the entire state of California. And traditionally, when I think about You know, years that I was practicing law or having just come out of law school, if something came out of the Ninth Circuit, you could pretty much rest assured it was going to be a very, we would have said liberal, now we would say progressive decision. But elections have consequences. Donald Trump, I think of about 25 members of that court, can this be right, has appointed 10 of them. Probably more than 25 when you factor in those with senior status. But my point is, a very influential court is far less liberal or progressive than it used to be. And a panel, meaning three judges from the Ninth Circuit, issued a ruling this past week which caused uh, fireworks within the court. There was initially a decision that was a two-to-one decision where the court 
struck down, or I guess I should say went along with a, a trial court decision that had struck down an effort in Oregon, a community called Grants Pass, which was seeking to impose criminal fines on homeless people because they felt like they were at wit's end and that there was nothing else they could do and that they couldn't tolerate the continued encampment of, this is longer than two minutes, Michael, of homeless folks sitting, sleeping, or lying outside on public property. And the Ninth Circuit panel, in a two-to-one decision, said you can't do that because, now going back to the Eighth Amendment, that would be cruel and unusual. So incensed were the conservative members of the court at the fact that they were not going to take it up on bonk, meaning the entire court would now weigh in, that everybody virtually involved in the court wrote their own opinion. In in other words, you need a majority of the members of the court to decide, let's all hear this instead of just hearing it in a two-to-one panel. And they fell short. They must have fallen short by just a vote or two. But everybody wanted to have a say. So, you know, you've got like a dozen conservative members of the court weighing in on this in really strong language, taking issue with the outcome. And the liberal members of the court, the progressive members of the court responded in kind. What's the takeaway? The takeaway is that for the states governed by the Ninth Circuit for the foreseeable future, they're not going to be able to criminally cite the homeless to keep them from sleeping, lying outside or sitting in public property. But here comes now the prediction, and I don't think it's that bold of a prediction. The Supreme Court's going to take this case. There's no doubt in my mind that the case that I'm about to describe for you will get to the Supreme Court of the United States and that it will be overturned. You'll get a different, I think, from the current composition of the Supreme Court, you're going to get a different uh, um, verdict, uh, opinion, ruling, that's the word I'm struggling for, than you got in the Ninth Circuit. Here's the issue. Should cities impose criminal penalties for sitting, sleeping, or lying outside on public property for homeless individuals who cannot obtain shelter? The L.A. Times coverage of this issue today begins this way. The author of the piece, by the way, is is Kevin Rector. Some of the most powerful conservative judges in the United States took collective aim Wednesday at the idea that homeless people with nowhere else to go have a right to sleep in public, excoriating their liberal colleagues for ruling as much. Their scathing comments came in a set of responses to a decision on Wednesday by the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals not to rehear a case in which a smaller three-judge panel affirmed such rights in September. In their responses, the court's conservative wing painted a dystopian portrait of an American West deprived of its public spaces and under siege by an overwhelming epidemic of homelessness. The debate provided one of the clearest windows into the new political divide on the Ninth Circuit since President Trump appointed 10 judges to the traditionally liberal court and President Biden appointed seven. I didn't know that that Biden was already up to seven until I read this. 
Judge Milan Smith Jr., one of the court's older conservative judges who was appointed by President George W. Bush, wrote in one dissent that homelessness is presently the defining public health and safety crisis in the Western United States. He then zoomed in on California and Los Angeles in particular, where recent estimates have put the homeless population in L.A. County alone at about 70,000. Here's here's part of what he wrote, quote, there are stretches of the city where one cannot help but think the government has shirked its most basic responsibilities under the social contract. Providing public health and ensuring that public spaces remain open to all. One time public spaces like parks, many of which provide scarce outdoor space in dense working class neighborhoods, are filled with thousands of tents and makeshift structures and are no longer welcoming to the broader community. By the way, from the same dissent of Judge Smith, I I circled another paragraph when I was reading the opinion. Here's the one that I found interesting. He said, assume, for example, that you're a police officer and you encounter a homeless person in some public space, say San Francisco's Civic Center near the James R. Browning building where our court sits. Assume further that the person has set up a tent and engaged in other life-sustaining activities like defecation and urination on a sidewalk nearby. You also know that pursuant to the city's good-faith efforts to comply with the dictates of the Martin decision, that was Martin versus City of Boise, government workers have conducted outreach and offered temporary housing to the homeless persons in the area. Nonetheless, under the majority's reasoning, meaning the majority of the two-to-one decision, you are powerless to cite this person even for public defecation because San Francisco has fewer shelter beds than total homeless persons. Right, because that that is a reference to the fact that you can only do something about it if you've got a bed for that person. So in this instance, you see the homeless person defecating in a public spot. You can't do anything. Judge Smith says it's irrelevant that the city already offered this specific person shelter because the number of homeless persons outnumber the available shelter beds in a democracy. Voters and government officials should be able to debate the efficacy and desirability of these types of enforcement actions. Regrettably, our court has short circuited the public process and declared a reasonable policy response to be off limits. That was the paragraph that I circled in the uh, in the decision. Uh, It reiterates, meaning the two to one decision upholds a prior 2018 decision in which another Ninth Circuit panel found that the Eighth Amendment, you know, which prohibits cruel and unusual punishment. The Eighth Amendment prohibits the imposition of criminal penalties for sitting, sleeping or lying outside on public property for homeless individuals who cannot obtain shelter. That's the question that I'm asking today at Smirconish.com. Is that the right outcome? When a three-judge Ninth Circuit panel issues a ruling, parties may appeal by requesting that the case be heard en banc or before a larger 11-judge panel. The city of Grants Pass did so in this case. They wanted the whole court to hear it. They argued that the smaller panel had misapplied the law. But on Wednesday, 
The Ninth Circuit issued an order denying the city's request, indicating a majority of its 29 active judges, I think I had previously said 25, 29 active judges had voted against rehearing the case. The vote for declining to rehear the case wasn't made public. However, it's clear from the dissents, the number of conservative judges who signed on to them, that the court's liberal wing, which had been bolstered under Biden's administration, was entirely responsible for the decision. So the decision among these Ninth Circuit judges completely broke along liberal and conservative lines. I'm reading into this, but I think it's a safe assumption that all the Trump judges said, wait a minute, you, you can't even cite a person who's engaged in that kind of behavior in a public space unless there's a homeless bed for them somewhere. And the Biden judges went the other direction. Here's an example of one of the conservative looks at this this uh, issue. Uh, in his statement, Judge O. Scanlane said the majority's opinion that the Eighth Amendment affirms the right of homeless people to sleep in public with rudimentary bedding material, such as blankets and pillows, when they've got nowhere else to go, breaks with findings out of the U.S. Supreme Court and other circuits on an issue of exceptional importance. He wrote that the September decision was an inventive, judge-made novelty. He said it's telling that the Ninth Circuit is the only circuit bold enough, quote unquote, to embrace such a doctrine, which he said effectively requires local communities to surrender their sidewalks and other public places to the homeless encampments. I could go on, but I think you get it. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash Smirconish, netsuite.com slash Smirconish, netsuite.com slash Smirconish. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. 
VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. A federal appellate court this week refused to rehear a three judges panel ruling that prohibited the Oregon city of Grants Pass prohibited that city from criminally punishing homeless people who sleep in public spaces when they've got nowhere else to go. And you might say, well, Michael, maybe maybe that's the right outcome because, hey, they don't have a bed for them. Right. But they're not taking that bed, even if you did offer it to them in most circumstances. The denial of the full court review by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals prompted unusually scathing dissents and statements by 16 other Ninth Circuit judges who either blasted the original decision and urged it be corrected or argued that at least the full court be given the chance to reconsider the matter. They didn't. The Supreme Court, I'm convinced, will. Debbie, give me the view from Los Angeles. What What are you seeing in the encampment nearby? Oh, it's an encampment that's across the street from my house in a private property. And we have spoken to the district. We've spoken to the city. We've tried uh, every possible police to fire. we tried every possible source to help us with the situation. But it seems because the woman of the, the owner of the house died and had no heirs, the house isn't even in probate yet. So the house sits abandoned. It's unsightly, not to mention it's a, it's a nice block in Los Angeles, California. Um, they're building a $3.5 million house right next to the property, and there is an encampment in there. They've been there for six to months to a year. We've been trying to get them out, and we can't. And that's wow. because of the policies around the homeless. There, yeah, there's also, um, because nobody owns the house, they can, they can trust it makes because me wonder how did they how did they owner. how do you think how do you think they would have known that it was a vacant house was the, did the grass grow long or was there some telltale yeah. sign that this yeah. was not be, yes ostensibly it's it's ostensibly it's an abandoned house yeah because the grass grew long and we had it boarded up we had the um, the people who were doing the construction on the house next door boarded up then we had the city come and board it up we've had police out there several times. They say they ask them to go. They go. They come right back. Now they're a, a, a harmless, apparently, but you, you never know. And there's children living right next door. Two small children, a baby and a three-year-old. Jeez, and tough stuff. It's, um, and we can't get and, and we can't we can't get them out. And he's fine. I mean, he still he, he's clearly you know not in his right mind. I mean, he walks around the neighborhood and he's talking to himself. Um. As I said, apparently harmless, but you never know. Uh, and yeah, we can't. There's nothing we can do. The city is not taking any and action. The, 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 sh- the shame of it is, like, if I were to apply the Grants Pass standard to this, uh, I assume there's a bed somewhere in some shelter nearby that this individual could go to, but probably refuses to go there. Instead, chooses to live, what? you know, in front of what is seemingly an abandoned property, at least for the short term. But that's the question I have. So Karen Bass, who's our mayor, has right. got $3 billion approved for homeless. 
And that should be happening. Why isn't that happening? I'm sure there is a bed for him. Somewhere. Yeah. It doesn't so why seem, it isn't doesn't that seem happening? Where 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 are the the, 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 the the where's the funding going? It's so it's so sad and it's I mean when you tell me that this individual is, is walking around and, and talking to himself, it's homelessness is is a result. It's not the, the driver. It's not the root of what the problem is. The problem is and I don't know if you know that if drugs play a role in this case or if it's just a mental health case. We don't know. You don't know. Yeah. We don't know, but but the but but the person next door says that people are coming at night, and you know they're 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 carrying on, you know, like like there are drugs, but we yeah. haven't seen or you know. All right. Well, I'm 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 so, sorry. I'm sorry for him. I'm sorry for the guy who is quote unquote homeless in there, and I'm sorry for you and all the other property owners who are nearby. Thank you for your willingness to to share that story. Appreciate it very, very much. Joe, you're in Iowa. You just heard from California. You're thinking, what about all of this? Well, I'm thinking that, thank goodness, the United States Supreme Court has a common sense to it now. Um, We saw with the uh, decision on affirmative action, and they can't get cases like this to the Supreme Court quick enough. I mean, this is just a silly decision by the liberal Ninth Circuit it's decisions like that that has caused problems like we're seeing with homelessness you can't walk down a city street in la anymore without just being inundated with tents and just all kinds of things and portland oregon is another example san francisco what are those cities supposed to do i mean my goodness this is an issue and finally there's some common sense of the supreme court this will be trump's legacy by the way not the indictments not the impeachments but what he did with the supreme court to start bringing some common sense back into um, these decisions. Well, and I've made the point, I don't know the number of, of judges that he appointed all told, but I've made the point that more law gets made by the by the circuit courts, the appellate courts of the federal system, then does the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court gets all the headlines. But frankly, you know, they don't they don't take that many cases. Uh, it's what goes on in the Ninth Circuit or the D.C. Circuit that makes the most difference. And and. That power of appointing lifetime judges on the federal bench is just immense, much beyond the Supreme Court of the United States. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. 
Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform slashing manual tasks and errors over 37,000 companies have already made the move so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash Smirconish. NetSuite.com slash Smirconish. NetSuite.com slash Smirconish. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. From the Oregonian, the headline, Homeless Crisis Ruling Creates Bitter Divide Among West Coast Appeal Court Judges. Michael Schellenberger has been here before addressing the homeless crisis in San Francisco, in California generally. He's the author of the book San Francisco. He brought national attention to the humanitarian crisis in California's cities. It's good to have him back. Michael, thank you for being here. I've been trying to educate the audience for the last half hour about what the Ninth Circuit just did, or maybe I should say didn't do. And I began by explaining that when I came out of law school, if something came out of the Ninth Circuit, you were pretty sure it was going to be a very, we would have said liberal today, you'd say progressive decision. But that court has undergone significant change. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, right? It's uh you know, it's a, the crisis. It's hard for people that aren't out here to understand it. But I think that what you re, what we saw from the Ninth Circuit was a real moral statement about how just wrong, morally inhumane, the human degradation. It's it's actually it's a human rights abuse. We've known this since the United Nations came and re- issued its special report. So what we saw is a very strong language out of the Ninth Circuit around the fundamental immorality and violation of human rights that occurs when you have people that are mentally ill and suffering from drug addiction living in tents on the street where they assault each other regularly and live in absolutely deplorable conditions. Right, but but of course the you know the two to one ruling is that it would be cruel and unusual if you were to give a criminal citation some type of a fine to an individual who's encamping if there's not a bed for them to go to, and the observation I have is that even if there is a bed for them to go to, the odds are they're not taking that bed. They've made a decision to be in a public place. So now what does society do? That's right. And, I, of course, I was referring to the minority opinion, uh, which right. declared this a, an absolute humanitarian tragedy. But, yes, this it's a triumph of the magic and power of words 
over reality. So when you say the word homeless, it implies that these are people who simply can't afford the rent. It ignores the reality that these are folks that are on the street either because of addiction or mental illness, not because of poverty. We actually do a pretty good job of getting sober and sane people into permanent housing, permanent supportive housing. The people that are on the streets are the ones who are not in a functioning mental state. There was a, uh, a, a dissent that was written. You know, it's interesting to me, actually. Let me back up a step. So you've got 29 active members on the Ninth Circuit generally. And in order for the full court on banc to hear what the two-to-one decision just did, it would have taken a majority. Apparently, they couldn't get 15 votes. And yet, 16 members of the court wrote opinions. It, it's like everybody wants to be heard on this but not enough wanted to hear this case that could have overturned it. I believe it ends up in the Supreme Court of the United States where they will overturn it. I think you're right. I think it's, first of all, I have to say, because I work on other issues that, um, and I'm seeing the Supreme Court, where the Supreme Court is being asked to step up to do what the society is failing to do across the board on multiple issues at the same time. I think we're in a crisis of civilization. That's what I honestly think. I think that we're not enforcing laws against powerful people who violate them. We're not. We're not allowing for. We're not enforcing laws against people who have been deemed victims, even though enforcing those laws would help them to get the rehabilitation and mental health care that they need. And I think what we saw, and when you go and do, when you interview anybody in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, Portland, Denver, Philadelphia, these are cities, New York, these are cities in crisis because we are not dealing with the fundamental problem of untreated mental illness and drug addiction. Judge O'Scanlane, who wrote a dissent uh, in this case, quote, one need only walk through our neighborhoods, through the Tenderloin in San Francisco or Skid Row in Los Angeles to know that our communities are fast coming undone, tents crowding out sidewalks, needles flooding parks, and rubbish and worse marring public squares reflect a threat to the public welfare that should not be taken lightly. Okay, so Michael Schellenberger understands the problem. This Michael understands the problem. What's the solution? Treatment first. We have to just understand who we're dealing with. Like I said, I think the there's this is an issue. I have very there's a lot of issues that are affected by propaganda, but this is maybe one of the worst. I mean, anybody who knows anything about mental illness, about drug addiction, you talk to people on the street, and that's what they're dealing with. And for for a variety of reasons, a certain political group in society has decided they want to basically deny that reality. And, and insist dogmatically that this is just about giving everybody their own apartment without any conditions. Well, that's part of what leads to the situation. I think most of us know, either because of personal experience with our families or we know from having conversations with folks on the street, that people in the throes of addiction or psychiatric distress from being schizophrenic or having some other underlying psychiatric disorder um, these are folks that need an intervention. It's actually three separate stages, intervention, treatment, recovery. That's, that's what works everywhere in the world. That's what works with all human beings, whether they're um, off their meds 
because they think they're sane despite the schizophrenia, or they are convinced by their addiction that they do not need help, they don't need to go inside. Everybody has to come inside. You cannot treat sick people living on the street. That's the fundamental mental shift that must occur for everything else to flow from it. There needs to then be a political change, but until the society understands who we're dealing with, we're never going to solve this problem. What do you make of the the case that we're talking about, Grant's Pass, and if you look at the line of cases, the Boise case before it, resting on this idea that as long as there's no option of sleeping indoors, then the government can't criminalize the behavior. The, the, you know, the premise being, well, if you don't have a bed for them, then you can't do this. If you had a bed, then we might go a different direction. Are they taking the bed if you have the bed? No. I mean, this is what, this is more part of the disinformation or propaganda about homelessness, which is that, first of all, we should have a bed for everybody in society. We can do that. We don't let people die on the street. We don't let people bleed to death on the street. We don't let people starve to death because of lack of food. We're a society of abundance, and everybody should have a bed. Now, the question is, what kind of a bed is it? If, if what the court is saying that everybody needs an apartment in downtown San Francisco, that's obviously not going to work. I, don't, I mean, there's nobody that disagrees with me on that, by the way. That's just not going to work. You can't, there's just not enough luxury apartments in downtown San Francisco for every homeless person in the United States that might want one. There is sufficient shelter, safe, clean, dignified shelter, but it's not necessarily even your own private room. That's the, that's the, the punchline. You don't get your own private room on the street in a tent smoking meth and fentanyl, you do not deserve that if you go inside. You have not, that is not a right of citizenship. But I do believe, um, as a human being, as an American, as a, as a liberal, in, in, in my compassion for the vulnerable, and, and I would say as a conservative in my commitment to civilization, they must come inside and they must have shelter and it must be clean, basic. They sh- nobody should be assaulted if they, if they are inside. They should be more protected, and they would be when they, we know that they are three times less likely to die. Uh, that's, a, that's, by the way, a number that's been repeated by both the data from New York and L.A. It's also been um, replicated in a separate longitudinal study by Harvard. You're three times less likely to die if you're just getting clean, basic shelter. Um, we have a, a moral obligation to provide that for our fellow humans, and it's the only way to save your cities, and it's the only way to get people into the kind of treatment that they need medical care. You know, this is a this is a psychiatric. These are psychiatric problems, and you have I mean, to I, understand them as that if you're going to deal with them. I mean, which is the more which is more humane? You you spoke of of a, being a humanist. Is it to respect the decision, however unfounded it might be, that they make for themselves? or to curtail their individual liberties, and you're saying, and I'm agreeing, that it requires a curtailment of their individual liberties because they're not in a position to make a sound mental judgment. Yes, although I would just say that it's actually not a curtailment of their civil liberties because to have your civil liberties uh, curtailed, you actually need to be um, in full mental capacity. 
Um, this is actually recognized by every court in the world for hundreds of years, which is that we don't actually think that you, we don't we don't think that we're depriving children of their rights by preventing them from running into the streets and potentially getting killed. We don't think of it as depriving people of their rights if we allow them to be so addicted to fentanyl and meth that they die. Um, then we're going to do an intervention to prevent that death. We we actually institutionalize people that tell us they're going to commit suicide. We also institutionalize people that tell us they're going to commit murder. The society needs to get a grip, and it needs to it get, needs to break free from the homeless propaganda, which lies about what the problem is, and recognize that, yeah, you know, if you deprive you or me or people like that are able to, you know, be you know fully cognitive, you know, non-disabled, non. Uh, um, you know, like non-distressed, you know, non-psychotic people of their rights, that's terrible. And that's why I fight, I'm actually in the middle of a huge fight for, for free speech right now. But when you are like, when you actually are unable to tell what reality is because you're so, um, you know, psychiatrically uh, disabled effectively by your schizophrenia or your substance use disorder, your addiction to very, very hard medicines and drugs, um, then you're not, it's not actually violating your rights. And the courts have recognized that for hundreds of years. Michael, to be continued, I'm sure the Supreme Court is going to get it and change it. I appreciate your time as always. Thanks for having me, Michael. I appreciate your commitment to balance and fairness. It's really refreshing. Michael Schellenberger, ladies and gentlemen. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.